Better, smarter, faster. The neural network needed to power the digital ecosystem of healthcare is poised to transform care both inside and outside of hospital walls in traditional care settings. Meaningful data analytics positioned in real time to drive better diagnostics, intelligent operations, seamless care coordination, and integrated telehealth. This is the future of connected healthcare. We talk to the experts about transformational roadmaps for this evolving landscape, what's working, what's needed, and how we get there together. Welcome to Healthcare On Air, presented by Verizon. Welcome back, everybody, to Healthcare On Air by Verizon. I'm your host, Leah Sims, and I'm joined by two of my favorite Verizon colleagues today, Gary Lynch and Danny Johnson. Welcome, guys. We're going to talk about uh, the Connected Hospital and the blueprint for the hospital of the future, but I thought we could open with having each of you introduce yourselves uh, to our listening and viewing audience and uh, let folks know what you do for the business and how that connects to the topic today that we're going to be talking about. Gary, do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. Well, good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, I guess, depending on when you're going to hear this. Um, Gary Lentz, I'm the global lead for our healthcare vertical practice, so I, I've spent my career you know, in the healthcare business, uh, manage hospitals, emergency rooms, physician groups, worked on the payer side, provider side. So I've kind of touched all different aspects. Uh, I was excited to join Verizon because, you know, I've always felt like some of our major problems in this space is around access and connectivity, right? And what better place to come to than Verizon to help solve some of those problems. So uh, my team, we kind of focused on the major market trends happening within the space. And then identifying different Verizon infrastructure, solutions, products, uh, members of our partner ecosystem that tackle uh, those those issues, so. Awesome, so glad to have you. Danny. Hi, great to be with you today. My name's Danny Johnson. I am the global lead for our 5G product marketing, and that entails a lot of our technology stack as it pertains to our private wireless networks, our industrial IoT portfolios, our mobile edge computing uh, portfolios as well. And so I work with folks like Gary uh, to really unlock and unpack opportunity uh, within many of our industries as it pertains to how our technologies can really enable the outcomes that are really relevant within those industries. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Well, every bit of the portfolio that you just mentioned has relevance to the topic today, which is the hospital of the future, really the, the hospital of now and the future uh, and the connected ecosystem for healthcare. Uh, so it's really great to have you both here. And I know that there are folks that have a lot of questions about how private networks, about how private 5G and edge compute uh, and network as a service and core security really are going to layer into this highly connected acute care space of the future. So I thought it would be great for us to dive in and really talk about um, and a, a lot of what we've been talking about internally as a healthcare and technology team is what is that what is that vision for the hospital of the future look like? Um, and so, Gary, I know you spend a lot of time with um, hospital and health system executives really talking about their vision or their roadmap for uh, this uh, new hospital of the future uh, coming out of the pandemic. There's obviously been an operational pressure for them to transform uh, the way they're physically constructed, the way they're looking at digital enablement moving forward and the kind of use cases and innovation they really want to drive uh, in the future. So I'm going to toss this first question to you. What are you hearing from hospital health system executives and decision makers, both on the IT side and the clinical side, um, about 
how they're thinking about this hospital of the future and, and some of the things that they want to enable. And then what does that mean for the broader ecosystem that they're also caring for uh, as care extends out of that space? Yeah, you know, so it, it's been interesting. Hospital of Futures kind of evolved a little bit, right? Um, yeah. to, to, you know, looking at what happened in the pandemic, you know, what where are providers focused? I mean, they've moved to be more patient-centric, right? Um, putting the patient at the center of the universe and kind of building their services and solutions around it. They're moving more virtual, more care moving out of the four walls of the hospital into the home, you know, more ambulatory. And one of the areas I think was really interesting to me is um, about 10, 12 years ago before Affordable Care Act was, was signed into law, I was asked by a large healthcare company to start an accountable care solutions division. So uh, kind of ran around the country, you know, asking folks about value-based care risk bearing, you know, how can we best support you? And it didn't really take off as much as I thought it would. I think right before the pandemic, there were 30% of all providers were in some form of risk-bearing contract. And what you saw during the pandemic was those individuals, those providers that were risk-bearing, that were under value-based arrangements actually still had some success, right? And our, our folks who were in fee-for-service, well, when folks stopped going to the hospital, they stopped getting any revenue, right? So. Right. Certainly, seen a big shift um, around focus and more on value-based and, and risk-bearing contracts. Uh, we saw our first health system or our first hospital in the country go completely virtual. Uh, imagine that—you know, a four-story hospital with nurses and, and doctors showing up in scrubs, but sitting behind computer screens and just evaluating people at their homes. Um, so that really, this hospital of the future has kind of evolved into this really ecosystem of the future, if, if you will. Yeah. Um, but there's still going to be a need for hospitals, right? I mean, there's still going to be a need for people to go in for what, what we would have to assume is the most advanced high-risk interventional acute care. Um, and, and presumably, then, they're going to need the most cutting-edge real-time data, the most cutting-edge capabilities in the operating room, in the connected patient room of the future, um, even as care extends out. Um, it does mean, I think, Gary, and we talked about this uh, previously, that the footprints of ho hospitals may, may be a little smaller in the future, but they do need to be more highly connected. Um, Danny, when you talk to our customers about how they're thinking about infrastructure for their hospitals, that the ones that exist today that might be 25, 35, 50 years old in some cases and very uh, dense physical infrastructures with a lot of legacy, you know, infrastructure as well digitally. Um, what are you hearing uh, about how they're thinking about transforming both that footprint and then, you know, maybe some of that that they're walking away from and re-envisioning with, with new hospitals? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. And here, there are three areas where we're really hearing a lot. Uh, and those three areas really characterize are characterized by number one, um, the environment really needs to be agile and mobile. Okay, uh, number two, it needs to be very, very, very secure. Uh, and number three, it needs to be able to support the high density of not only volume of connected things that are finding their way into these hospitals, into these campuses, uh, but they're also the high fidelity nature of some of these connected things. And so when you think about what that really introduces, it really changes the paradigm. And we, we've seen examples with even customers of ours where they are looking to move away from the hardwired uh, kind of 802.11.8p kind of configuration 
um, because yeah. there are limitations to that. You know, the, 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 there's a need for the simplicity of cellular mobile agility, you know, and when you really then begin to unpack um, the security elements around that, uh, it, the reliability and security become quite uh, preeminent. Um, an example would be, and we've all experienced where maybe we have our handset or something else and we're moving uh, from sector to sector and our handset is the one that's required and carries the burden of connecting and reconnecting and also authenticating on that infrastructure. Well, how many times, and I'm willing to wager this happens a lot with us, uh, did your connection go down? You know, it had to reconnect. That does not happen in a cellular wireless private uh, infrastructure. It doesn't because uh, all of the authentication and the connections happen at the network level. Okay. How often, you know, have you been in a, in a mobile signal area and your signal's great? You know, you don't experience that, that the unreliability like you do uh, from a traditional 802.11 scenario. Now, now factor in the element of the devices. Um, they need to be connecting securely as well. That would be done at the network and connectivity level, but they also have to support high fidelity imaging or even just the volume of things that are now connecting. Um, that really then really puts a premium on the underlying infrastructure. Can that infrastructure support the capacity needed and the high needed for uh, some of those applications to really thrive? Yeah, on that note, Danny, I think it's important for us to actually address security and maybe do a double click on security because when we asked those CIOs and CTOs on our survey about their um, Wi-Fi dependency, they also expressed that they have the greatest concern about data security on that model. So can you talk a little bit about how private networks would address data security in a way that Wi-Fi cannot? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. And it's one that comes up all the time when we speak with our customers. And the, the way we mitigate that is really minimizing the amount of human touch required. So when you think about an 802.11 Wi-Fi environment, we, are, we need to find the network even on our phone. We need to enter a password. Uh, and not only that, but the end device is the one that carries the burden of not only authenticating, but establishing the connection and even reestablishing connection. So when you factor in all those variables, those introduce certain vectors for potential vulnerabilities from a security yeah. perspective. The way private wireless networks are different is that everything happens at the network layer. So that little SIM card that we all have on our phones or any other device that connects to the network, that information is, is what is used to authenticate a connection. And once that connection is established, it's just not taken down. You know, And so what you've done is you've eliminated at least two to three variables where or potential vectors could actually manifest itself and really uh, taken security and authentication down to its base layer. Um, you don't hear uh, where wireless cellular wireless networks uh, get breached. You hear a lot about you know IP layer networks, you know, in, in Wi-Fi and in 802.11 type of networks where there, those vulnerabilities definitely exist. And obviously very critical in healthcare where there are compliance um, requirements and regulatory requirements around uh, protected health information and, and how that's accessed and shared both within a, a facility and across a network, right? Uh, and then when you layer in how many devices that we're talking about medical grade equipment throughout the hospital, increasingly more sensing devices, increasingly more patient uh, generated data from their own wearables and devices, and then any, as you said, phones and devices that they or their family members are bringing into um, that environment as well. You're talking about a dense uh, device space 
um, where that attack surface becomes even more of an issue. So it's super important. Um, let's pivot uh, to the use cases because I think that's going to be, you know, probably uh, the most interesting is to talk about, okay, let, uh, on the assumption that we, we've invested in this infrastructure transformation, right? We've got a really powerful private cellular network deployed uh, and, and we can talk about edge compute as well and, and how that layers in. Gary, what are some of the use cases um, on the innovation roadmaps of our hospital and health system customers and partners um, where they're saying, hey, we really do need today real-time capabilities, and but we're also keeping an eye on the future. We need to digitally future-proof um, our hospitals so that 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, we've built an infrastructure that can sustain where we're going. Um, what are the use cases that um, that they're prioritizing and that you're hearing about? Yeah. You know, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about operational, and then I'll, I'll give you an example of a clinical use case that we're focused on. And and certainly, we all know the position that providers are in in, in, in this country today, right? Um I mean, the top health systems in the world, you know, billion dollars in losses. I mean, we all get the news alerts, right? So one of the things I've been really trying to think about is how can we help our provider customer um, around that operational efficiency? You know, we, I, I think a lot of providers are tired of hearing about remote surgeries with 5G and clinical, although we have had the world's first successful remote surgery um, based on a 5G connection. So that has actually happened. But I want to try to think about how can we help our provider customers. And so acid tracking is probably the area that we've, we've really kind of settled on. It's a necessity and a need for just about every system out there. And what we're doing is something just a little unique and a little different. So using a private uh, a 5G network um, and then some edge computing, uh, along with a couple other partners to where we've built some applications that a nurse can actually grab his or her cell phone and say, hey, where's the nearest wheelchair? You know, where's the nearest IB pop? Then be mapped to it. I mean, how amazing is that? And then think about what the what the medical device companies could could utilize utilize that information for around tracking their their uh, their devices in the hospital. We even have one partner that's developed uh, a tag technology that can withstand the 250 degree sanitation temperatures going in and out of the OR. So a lot of our medical device partners are really excited about that, but. When you, you think about the position that hospitals are in and providers are in around late, you know, shortages and nurse burnout, clinician burnout, boy, if um, anything that we can do to help, you know, um, one of the clinicians find, you know, um, find a piece of equipment um, to help with that labor cost is that's exciting, right? So that that's one use case, probably the one that I think most health systems are are asking for the most. And then when you combine that with like an IoT pixel type technology, imagine um, a little stamp like tag that um, no no need for, for batteries or Bluetooth. So it's cost effective for a hospital. So we'll be able to tag 100,000 different things at a hospital. Um, so that, that that's exciting. And not just things, but people too, right? And yeah. We'll be able to tag staff in building and their movements and, and where they're going and look at efficiency uh, you know, use cases there. And then, uh, you know, also uh, patients yeah. where they are in building, um, which is pretty powerful. Well, when you think about like bedside monitoring, we've got a, a large um, health system up in the Northeast that they were trying to minimize the nurses exposure to COVID. And so they, they set up some cameras so they can do some more kind of bedside monitoring of these patients. Well, what happened was it sucked up all their bandwidth, you know, as they started doing this. So we engaged in a conversation 
and we were able to help them with upgrading those cameras, put 5G chips in them, um, so that now not only can they they uh, bedside monitor or remote patient monitor these patients on this one floor, we can do the whole hospital with a 5G connection. And then the last thing I'll mention to you is another area I get super excited about, um, because you know when I started thinking about telecom and, and Verizon kind of came to mind was about 10 years ago for me. Now I'm on my third year here. Um, and I saw a physician that built a five-dimensional body scanning device. So take 3D, add time and motion. He was breaking down people to their genetic code. And the first thing I, I kept thinking about was, we have such issues with moving files around in healthcare, right? I mean, interoperability is a challenge. How in the heck are we going to move these massive files around? Because even when a pharmaceutical company, um, well, when Pfizer was talking about moving genetic files around, they talked about laying down their own fibers to, just to do that. And that's really when the light bulb went off for me. And I started thinking, wow, telecom's really going to play a big part in the future of healthcare. So think about like medical imaging, computer-aided diagnostics, these massive files where a physician can be in a real-time you know, visit with a patient who's at their home and they could gain insights through like computer vision, looking at these massive files, pointing things out for the clinician that maybe they wouldn't have seen, right? Um, so computer-aided diagnostics and medical imaging, that's a really exciting clinical use case. And then the other two, I, I would say they're more kind of operational. And those are really good ones to start with. These are things that we can do today. Um, and we can kind of stop that initial bleeding so that the hospitals can can get back to patients. I was just going to add, you know, Gary, the, these, those use cases that you're, you're articulating, they are fit for purpose, uh, for a private 5G network. And I'm going to anchor back, Leah, to the discussion we had earlier, even with security. So when you think about then the more load and, and, and Wi-Fi, the more load you begin to put on a single you know, Wi-Fi network, as an example, it's well known that performance is going to suffer. And right. really the, the conversations we're having isn't, they're not one versus the other. It's not one technology versus the other. It's how can we deploy the right technology for the right purpose and outcome? And so um, imagine these scenarios, Gary, that you talked about these use cases where now you can create a separate enclave network that is highly secure, highly agile um, to support the density of not only the volume of devices that you're even talking about and contemplating here, but also the fidelity of imaging, et cetera, separate from your Wi-Fi guest network, as an example. You know, now the experience in both domains becomes much better. You know, yeah, your guest Wi-Fi, you know, for all of the guests that are obviously uh, uh, here, uh, attending the hospital, but then you have a highly secure, highly agile, highly motive, uh, a mobile, uh, high capacity network uh, that can support all the use cases you, you just described, but they can work together in, in, in this manner. Thanks for joining the podcast. We're going to pause right there and encourage you to come back for part two of this blueprint for the hospital of the future discussion. Gary and Danny and I will take this conversation up in part two and really talk about the power of private networks plus edge compute to drive real time insights across the use cases we've talked about in part one. We'll also look at the roadmap to get there. What do IT decision makers and executives and clinical decision makers need to be thinking about to build that infrastructure to get from here to there. So come back for part two and subscribe to our channel. Thanks for joining.